Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and Trade Addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, it is the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt. It's episode 501 of the pod, fellas. We've been teasing this new format for a few weeks now, and it kicks off, I guess, with a brand new intro. We got some brand new segments to bring everybody. And Ryan, how... Let me ask you, Ryan. Yeah. How... Let me ask you... What did you think of the guy that did that intro there? I'm not going to mention his name, but what do you think? Uh, hey, I, I like it. It's a, it's a good start to our new format. Yeah, brand new format, Matt. We got a bunch of them uh, coming in this week. Uh, we're going to be introducing new ones every single week moving forward. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. I, I don't know if I fit in here. I got like my hoodie and my T-shirt on and, you know, you don't really want to see what's underneath the, what I'm wearing underneath the desk. So I, this feels way too classy for me, Dan. I don't know how I'm going to handle uh, this, this new professionalism you brought to the show. Oh, man. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We got, <laughs> we got a lot of lot coming up and we might as well kick it off right now. The Startup. Yeah, the startup every single week is going to be the biggest thing that happens in Dynasty, or at least the thing that is on our mind, Ryan. And I don't think we can we can think about anything other than what's happening on the field. Sunday, the, uh, the Rams, the Bengals, they advance to the Super Bowl, and man, two more epic games uh, in, a, in a playoffs that is just full of them, especially the last couple weeks. Yeah, really, really true. Um, we had those those four games uh, a little over a week ago. I, I don't think anybody thought that this past uh, weekend's games would live up to to that billing, but but they really did. A couple of games that came right down to it, including the overtime game in the AFC, the upset uh, with the the Bengals pulling off the comeback win. Yeah, just just two great games and some some awesome individual performances from. Uh, guys like Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow. I know we're we're excited about those guys in the present, but also long term in Dynasty as well. Yeah, the Dynasty studs really have come out to play in these playoffs. And Matt, I, you know, from my perspective, it feels like these coaches, these players, they clearly recognize in the postseason they need to get their best football players the ball as many times as possible, really. And we've seen it with Debo. He's moving around formations. He's returning kickoffs. We see it with Jamar Chase getting end arounds, which happened a few times in the regular season, but has happened almost with regularity in the postseason because any opportunity to get these superstars, the football can turn into a touchdown, which can change your your team's fortunes, really. Catapult you into the Super Bowl. It's really done it for... For Cooper Cup, for Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon has been a big part of that. He's been featured in the passing game as well, and, and Joe Burrow has just taken his game to a new level. And, and OBJ in a big spot, right? Yeah, nine, nine surprising. One thirteen, really. you know, good old OBJ's back in in our good graces, right? So, yeah, just an incredible set of games. You know, it's really good to see Cooper Cup just continuing to do just just play like I think you know better than anyone possibly could have imagined he would at the NFL level uh, coming from such a small school so it's been amazing to see uh, him this year and just just like you said you know after we got those uh those 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 maybe those seventh seeds the the Raiders the the, the Steelers you know the, that uh, teams of that ilk out of there it's just been incredible football since then and uh, I, I'm super excited for the Super Bowl I'm jacked well. for it as well um, there, there were some losers, of course, on the weekend. Um, 
of course, the, the Chiefs, I was telling Ryan before we hit record tonight that that I, I don't know if I've ever seen a stud quarterback play at such an elite level for a half of football and then completely tank in the second half. He, Patrick Mahomes looked looked like he was replaced with a robot in the second half. Somebody that looked like him, acted a little bit like him, but certainly not the same player. Almost like he he was holding back a little bit, and that that really really stunk. Of course, the 49ers as well. For for personal reasons, I'm kind of glad the Niners lost. My my love for Trey Lance. I think it would have been tough, Ryan, for the 49ers to replace Jimmy Garoppolo if he took them to and and potentially won a Super Bowl. Yeah, it really is. I, I think it's really a, an unusual year that there's so much uh, in the dynasty landscape riding on uh, on these you know relatively short slate of games over the past few weeks but that's what it feels like and and I think the Lance Garoppolo situation has to be the main one the most important one especially in those super flex leagues because it it did feel like if the 49ers had made the Super Bowl and it looked like they were on their way you know how do you get rid of the quarterback that has led you to a Super Bowl uh to two out of three years how do you just dump him and who who knows if that would have happened? We don't have to figure it out now. The way that game ended, uh, <laughs> the Rams coming back, Garoppolo just lofting the ball up, and, and their season ending with that ugly interception, it felt like the beginning of the Trey Lance era. Yeah, really put an exclamation point on the end of the Garoppolo era and the reasons why they, they made that draft pick a year ago, Matt. Uh, you watched those football games as well. Any final takeaways? Uh, no, not really. I just was, it was just exciting. I, I was actually able to put the laptop down, put my phone down and I just watched both of these games their entirety. Uh, so that was the, the really nice part for, for me on my Sunday. Uh, and to just see the, the fight from Joe Burrow, like he, it's just yeah. like, he's like the competitive. I mean, I, I've watched Joe Burrow in the past his rookie season, not as much as call in college, but I just had no idea the level, the level, level of competitor he is like he matches, he matched Mahomes. Uh, you know, just like stride for stride out there on the field. And, uh, you know, I think, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened in that second half from, for the chiefs, but it, it just felt similar to the Packers game where either they weren't able to adjust or they just thought they could sit on their lead. Uh, and that, that play at the end of the second half with Tyreek not getting in the end zone that, that ended up costing mm. them. So, um, yeah, that'll be, uh, I'm, I'm sure on the minds of all of their players, uh, this, this whole off season. Burrow was lethal in that game. He was, just so good. Yeah. You know, so big good. moments, needed a throw. And, you know, I can think of multiple throws, especially to T. Higgins, his big target in the middle of the field. Of course, Uzama had been hurt earlier in the game. They lost him. And, and Higgins came up big on throws that had to be high because he had to get it over a linebacker, had to throw it hard because the safety was bearing down. And he just threads it in there. An assassin, really, and he he dressed like one too after the game. I don't know if you saw the slick back haircut and stuff. That dude has has all the savvy, all the charisma. I really love Joe Burrow, and you know <laughs> if you have him in Dynasty, you are thrilled. For last thoughts on the Rams, those we mentioned OBJ, of course, uh, Cooper Cup, that record breaking season. Van Jefferson's mixing in the forgotten guy, Ryan has been Robert Woods a little bit. Since his injury in the middle of the season, they've they've replaced him in some ways, but he's still lurking in the back of your mind. Yeah, I saw I saw the shot of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods uh, you know, embracing after the game and uh, just you know, wonder what was shared between them because they they make it back to the big game and and Woods, of course, is is going to miss it, missing about half the season with that injury. And I, I think back heading into the, the season, or I guess last offseason, this was a player that was being rumored as, as maybe a cap cut or, or even a trade candidate. Obviously, that didn't happen. But thinking about the way Van Jefferson stepped up um, since Woods went out, I know uh, Odell Beckham is a free agent, so we'll we'll see where he lands, but... You just have to think Robert Woods may have played his last game uh, for the Rams. Looking at his contract, he's actually under contract for four more seasons, taking him through his age 33 year. Uh, certainly not going to make it through all four of those with the team. But his his base salary goes from $2.5 million this year to $10 million next year. 
Uh, so this this may be the end of Robert Woods' time with the Rams and and a player like that. He's going to be thirty next year. One of one of the reasons he has had so much so much success is that McVay offense. Uh, I think I think Robert Woods might be in for a value drop if he's with a different team next year. Woods has been overlooked for so long by so many of us as dynasty managers. Um, it felt like even this season with Cup's breakout season or that record-breaking season, he was still, after a slow start, coming up big in times, m- making big plays, Woods was. Again, overlooked until the knee injury. I really hope he, he's somehow back in Los Angeles in that offense because he fits so well and does so many things. I do think that Sean McVay really appreciates what he brings to the game because the Rams have lost some of that jet sweep uh, you know, those those stacked motions and those things that he does so well, you can tell that they're missing him, and that's why they're not doing those those things quite as much. I did want to throw in also, uh, with so much talk about Cooper Cup, I had to look back at what his value was like this time last year. January of 2021, Cooper Cup was the wide receiver mm. 29 and was 57 overall. Uh, when when I looked that uh, when I checked that out, I also noticed right below him Debo Samuel, wide receiver 31 this time <laughs> last year. If you were buying on those two, you probably had a pretty good fantasy season. Speaking of ADP, let's jump to our next segment. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yes, we're going to talk a little ADP, my favorite segment drop that we made, fellas. Uh, It's going to be a good one. Probably see this week in and week out on the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll highlight some players, highlight new ADP every every month when it comes out. Ryan does such a great job with that, so we'll talk about that. You'll hear about that first here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. This week, though, we're going to highlight some top 50 players that we're concerned with moving forward. Could be for a myriad of reasons, guys. It could be that they're aging, that they're free agents, that there's a coaching change, anything like that that makes you think twice about where they are ranked in ADP right now. And I'll kick things off. My guy, fellas, and I thought about a handful of guys. It, the, the first one that jumped off to my head was was Devontae Adams, 29 years old, going to be 30 there's so many questions in Green Bay. Will Rodgers be back? Will Devontae be back? And if so, and it's not Rodgers, how will Jordan Love and that offense be able to use him to the, the best of his abilities? I, I stepped away from that one for a moment because it feels to me if you're going to be super concerned with a player, it's probably going to fall in the position group of running back. Those are typically the players I... I get concerned with most, and I know you guys both went with wide receivers, so you can explain that. I went with Saquon Barkley. Currently, the running back 10 has an ADP of 21, and you know, for, for obvious reasons, really, he's, he's a big concern for me, but the most concerning part of his game, not just the, the supporting cast and the coaching change and uh, the quarterback situation and the lack of talent on that offensive line, it's actually Saquon himself. Even when he took a step forward this season, you still saw those holes in his games. Now, he's a athletic freak, of course. He's one of those guys that when, when he goes out in, in shorts and a helmet and starts working out, you say, wow, that guy can do things that not very many running backs can do. But he also misses on some of the, the main running back talents that we, that we value a lot. The main one being vision. He, he misses holes, and he's made up for that at times in his career because of that ridiculous slide step and that, that uh, just emphatic burst through the hole when he hits it. But there are times when you watch Saquon Barkley, even behind that poor line, and you say, man, uh, it really feels to me like Saquon Barkley should have cut that up a, a step and a half earlier, and he missed that running lane. So... You know, I've I've soured on Saquon and, and his upside really currently at ADP twenty one guys feels to me like like that's a little bit too high for me to invest. There are a handful of running backs below him that I would I would very quickly jump on them before considering uh, Barkley, who like I said, he's the RB ten and he he's a guy that lots of dynasty managers are excited about. I'm. I find a handful of guys, like I mentioned, below him that I'd, I'd much rather jump in on. 
Sure. Yeah, I just don't know if I'm using a second round pick on a running back at this point, uh, especially one with the the concerns of Barkley. I looked up some of the numbers on him, and it was even worse than I kind of thought it might be. His rookie season, of course, the by far the best season that he's had. Uh, he was an RB one in seventy five percent of his games. Seventy five percent of the games played, top twelve production. Uh, 2019, that dropped down to 46% of the games. Skip 2020, he missed most of that season. Uh, the, this past year, 23% of the times he was an RB1. So it goes from 75 to 46 to 23. Uh, certainly not a good trend. In his past 26 games, he's had three games of over 100 rushing yards. Almost 25 years old already. Some of the names below him, uh, Austin Eckler, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers. I'd even take Derrick Henry, who's a few years older than him. I'd take Henry over him because of the what feels like guaranteed elite production when he is on the field, man. I yeah I don't I don't disagree with you I think there is some hope uh, we have uh, a much better offensive mind uh, you know coming into their head coaching duty with Dable coming over from from Buffalo so we'll see if they can do anything with that with 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 Daniel Jones is this going to be a reclamation project are they going to bring somebody else to compete this season and you know the Buffalo offense you know I, I want to say it's more because of the players involved not necessarily the the coaching scheme uh, but they but they didn't really use the the, the running backs until tor- towards the end of the year once. Um, Devin Singletary kind of took over. So um, that's a little bit of a concern too, but it is nice to have somebody that understands the offense and will be able to make use of the weapon. So, you know, I think there's just as good a chance that, that Saquon rises from here, you know, with a good season, with a full healthy season than there is that he falls. But I'm with Ryan. I'm not going to spend probably a second round pick on, on a running back. I think there's maybe three running backs, three to four running backs that I would take consider taking in the first two rounds. And I don't think Saquon makes the, the cut there. So uh, I, I agree. I agree with you guys. Um, but I do think he's a chance to, to move up. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Brian Dable because that that's really, I think the only counterpoint right now yeah. is they've got this, this new head coach that has worked wonders uh, with the offensive scheme in, in Buffalo and certainly some different, uh, different levels of talent between those two teams right now. But I mean, Dan, did, did that news over the past few days change your mind here at all? I think it actually pushed me in the other direction because Dable is really known as the quarterback whisperer, right? right. He he's the one who who helped Josh Allen overcome the 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 inability to to accurately place the football, especially down the field, and and he's overcame that hurdle. But if you think about that Bills offense from a fantasy standpoint over the last handful of years, you and you think about the running back position, you immediately say. Yeah, you can't trust those guys until maybe the last four or five weeks with Devin Singletary when he's kind of emerged from that pack. So if, if anything, for me, the Dable signing or, or Dable ending up in New York made me question it maybe even a little bit more. Uh, Matt, you went with a wide receiver, one that's near and dear to my heart. I'm, I'm concerned, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we, we all should be concerned, not just about – him on our dynasty rosters, but you know, as a, as a human being and what he's going through right now, you know, hopefully he's getting his life on track. But um, it's it's a little bit scary from you know strictly looking at him from a dynasty's perspective. A year ago, he was the 17th overall player, wide receiver eight overall. Now he's the 41st overall player, wide receiver 20. And uh, I, I've I've continued to make uh, excuses is the wrong word, but you know we've we've seen towards the the second half of this this NFL season, this dynasty season that. His his value has been dropping and dropping to the point where where people are, are probably not spending a first round pick on him at all this at this time. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that for some people, wide receiver twenty is still too high. I think for me, it's it's kind of in that sweet spot. It is obviously, you know, you, you like you said, you want to look at the players going around him uh, currently in, in in drafts. And you know, at wide receiver twenty, he's got Elijah Moore just ahead of him, Michael Pittman and Jerry Judy just after them. And those you know those those player kind of players have their question marks as well. So. 
do you want to gamble on the on the young guy getting it together in Judy's case uh, is there going to be a new quarterback there for Ridley is he going to come back and play football at all um, Matt Ryan is uh, you know potential a potential cut this season according to Spotrack there's an out this season he, he would still be a 40 million dead cap number so I kind of question whether or not they would they would go that direction uh, unless they can find a, another option there but uh, there's just a lot of question marks surrounding Ridley not only uh, including his his uh, status as a football player um, he did play in uh, five games this season before uh, that ended for the first four weeks of the season his best finish was wide receiver 17 uh, and you know he was, he was a wide receiver two for for three for four of those weeks uh, and uh, a wide receiver one for none of those weeks. In fact, in week one, he was wide receiver 59 overall. So it's not like when he was playing this season, he was lights out anyway, um, but we know what he can do when healthy, when on the field, when everything's right with that offense, and when there's there's somebody to kind of take a little bit of the pressure off of him uh, in the receiving game, which we hope Kyle Pitts will continue to be uh, that entity on the field for him. So I'm still optimistic. I think if I was sitting at, at the on the clock at 1.12 in my draft, you know, 110, 112 range, and I didn't really like the options and somebody wanted to send me Ridley for that, you know, very end of the first round pick, I might still be willing to speculate there. Um, and I would certainly still pay a second for him at these at, at, at that price. So I don't know how you guys feel, but that's kind of where I'm at on Ridley. So you're concerned, but not so concerned that you won't buy him at a discount, uh, which is fine. Absolutely. It was <laughs> it was supposed to be the breakout, right? This year, because yeah. Julio had moved on, he was the clear number one. He was getting the help from Pitts, um, and and there were people, myself included, that expected 160 targets. You know, expected him to be 10, 12 targets every single week, and that just didn't materialize. Now, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of grumblings around social media, around the internet. That that maybe Ridley's trying to trying to find his way to a new team. That that maybe some of this off the field stuff actually came from that. And I don't know if any of that is true, but that is something that that's sticking in my mind right now. If Ridley ends up with a new team, maybe in a, with a better quarterback, maybe in a better offense, that could that could really help his dynasty value in the in the next two to three year window. On the other hand, if he were to be traded to the Jets or to the Lions, things things go downhill just a little bit as far as his dynasty value is concerned, Ryan. How, how are you approaching Ridley moving forward? Yeah, he's certainly a tough player to, to figure out right now because there are so, so many uncertainties. Uh, of course, the first question is, will he even play again in the NFL I think that once felt like a an, an obvious answer, and I don't think it's so obvious anymore. I think there's a, you know, there's a non-zero chance we never see him again, uh, a, a small chance. Uh, beyond that, I'm I'm with you, Dan. I've heard those same things that maybe he's uh, just posturing to to get out of out of town. I mean, I I don't want to doubt uh, his his situation and and what he shared as far as his. Uh, uh, needing a break for for mental health purposes, but regardless, if if that was the reason, it feels like at this point he he needs he needs a fresh start. He needs a new team, and and from a fantasy and dynasty standpoint, I think that would be a good thing in in almost every situation. You mentioned a couple of uh, a couple maybe not so great spots, but in general, I think any new team he goes to is, is going to help his production and his value. He, he's still a player that has upside. He's not going to suddenly fall off the face of the earth and, and his value is going to plummet just because of a four or five game stretch at the beginning of the season where he didn't put up massive numbers. Currently uh, just turned 27 years old, certainly not old for a wide receiver, although he was an older rookie. Um, I still I still have all the faith. I have him in, in so many leagues and I'm looking forward to seeing him on the field again early next season. Ryan, you went with Chase Claypool, another wide receiver, a young guy that you were very high on a year ago at this time. In fact, I think I remember you talking about him being not only a, uh, a top 12 wide receiver in Dynasty, but maybe close to that top 12 overall Dynasty asset. Um, maybe not quite that high, but you were real high on Claypool. So what's happened since then? 
Yeah, I, I probably did say something <laughs> crazy like that I, because I definitely, I was definitely in on on Chase Claypool over the last year. Uh, just just a disappointing season from him. Uh, the usage was uh, was not there. Um, the the types of targets that he was getting, uh, I, I don't think are the types that are going to lead to that wide receiver one level of production. Certainly not on a consistent basis. Um, I think when, when we look at Claypool, you know, he's got the, we, we talked a lot about our wide receiver rankings a, a, a few weeks ago, and he's got the lowest percentage of wide receiver one games among any wide, wide out in the top 50. So he just hasn't produced like, uh, you know, like, like we have expected or like his, uh, his value might've suggested. Um, he's played in, in now basically two full seasons that one game, right? We all remember that one big game, four touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. That one game over his two seasons represents over 10% of his total fantasy production in two years. Uh, that was impressive that one week, but big picture, that's not a good thing. I, I know I've kind of got caught up in when looking at Claypool and, and really all of the Steelers' wideouts uh, or, or offensive playmakers thinking, they're going to get a quarterback upgrade. Uh, everything will be better from here. Ben Roethlisberger is retired. There's a lot of talk that Mason Rudolph is getting this job. That That's a little <laughs> scary for me with, with Deontay Johnson and with Claypool on, on my rosters. Uh, there, there's some free agent options, but if that's even a consideration, consideration that, that Rudolph could get that job, I really want no part of Claypool or, or anybody else in this offense. Um yeah, essentially, I just I just think he's overrated uh, and, and overvalued. Kind of like Matt was saying, if that discount is there, and I haven't really seen it yet, but if that discount is there, I'd, I'd still be willing to take a shot. But I, I don't think it is. Uh, I think he's he should be more like a top seventy five player rather than a top uh, forty or fifty player, which is where he is right now. I'm not paying a first, but I pay a second easily. Two, maybe maybe more than a second, but not a first. Yeah, three three one hundred yard games in his career. Again, I, I just think the way they're using him, and, and maybe that changes now that Ben is gone. This might be a fresh start situation for the entire offense potentially. Uh, but what we've seen through two years um, ha- has has been frustrating. And then the late season maturity issues, right? I mean, costing basically cost his team a win potentially with a, a pen, the dumb penalty and the the late celebration. You know, I mean, personally, I don't care about those things. I don't think those things hurt his value. But when those things start bringing up a narrative of he's he's a he's a bad seed or he's immature or he, you know, let's we need to get him off this team uh, that that hurts. That's not a good thing. And that has led those those on the field problems, those little little mishaps or or bad judgment that he's had, it's led to benchings in the past. But we all, as mm-hmm. dynasty managers, we we see that raw upside. And that's what keeps him among the top 50 players in, in dynasty because all it takes is that one Calvin Johnson-esque flying through the air catch over a defender for a touchdown, and we all say, oh, that's it. That's the guy that could be the wide receiver one overall on a week and blow the rest of the field out of the water. Now, you do have to have that, that quarterback to get you the football. I, I trust that coaching staff. If they, if they like Claypool, I like Claypool. I don't know if they do like Claypool. Yeah, I'm not convinced. That's where I was going with it. I'm not convinced they do love Claypool, especially, especially the head coach there in Tomlin. Is this really like that much different than, than like the way they feel about Juju? I mean, it's a little bit different, like – I don't want to say that Claypool's mean spirited, but he doesn't seem as like you know happy go lucky necessarily as 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 Juju does, and they don't like that either. So maybe it's just the way the coaching staff feels about these wide receivers, and uh, you know what if both of them go go join another team? I, I, you know maybe maybe that, that's what they need. They just need to change the scenery or the the coaching staff to lighten up a little bit because you know let's have some TikTok's fun. It's not that bad. There there were rumors, <laughs> of course, that Juju wants to return to Pittsburgh once again. There's also also rumors that Claypool doesn't fit in all that well in Pittsburgh, and maybe there'd be a change there that's coming down the pike. No matter what happens, there's a big question at quarterback. 
they have they have offensive line issues that they're going to have to address this offseason. But for the most part, the rest of those playmakers are in place with Harris at running back, Deontay, and and potentially Juju back at wide receiver, and then Pat Farmuth at I tight mean, end. So there's a lot of mouths to feed on top of it. Well, and if they bring in, I mean, this is just obviously a rumor, but if Rodgers does end up in Pittsburgh, I mean, think about that with those three receivers with their, their varied skill sets, and then you add the tight end like you just mentioned. Like, I mean, there's, there's, there are ways for this offense to work again, but it's not, it's not going to be Mason Rudolph probably. Yeah, it's going to take an upgrade at that position for sure. Guys, the DLF Dynasty podcast is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Even if you've played DFS in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight will feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique, easy-to-play games, including the popular More or Less contests, where you can bet on if your favorite NFL player will have more or less yards than predicted. You can also play all the other major sports, as well as golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. Sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit and receive a full year of DLF Premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit total up to $100 with the promo code DLF. That's it. It's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription is going to be set up within 36 hours, and you'll have access to everything Dynasty League Football has to offer. So go log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yes, it's the Rookie Report. After the Super Bowl, guys, this segment's probably... We'll, we'll, we'll probably start scouting this incoming 2022 rookie class, but we thought for the next couple of weeks we'll, we'll put a bow on the 2021 rookie class, and the best way to do that is probably to talk about the biggest risers and fallers inside this class. And, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning... We were going to talk about that Super Bowl matchup. We touched on the 49ers and and how they had kind of a disappointing ending to their season uh, this past weekend. You could probably argue, Ryan, that the biggest riser in this rookie class is is in that backfield, and the biggest faller is probably in that backfield as well in Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. Yeah, I mean, Sermon was, after that landing spot, that draft capital, he was a player that was being not only drafted in the first round of rookie drafts, which I, while I wasn't doing myself, I at least understood the idea behind that. But he was oh. a fifth rounder in our in our startup ADP. That one, uh, that one shocked me that he was being automatically valued that highly. And right now in our January uh, ADP, he's down at RB48. Um, you know, I, I get the frustration, especially if you did spend that first rounder on him, but looking at some of these names, he's behind Daryl Williams and, uh, Chuba Hubbard and Corderell Patterson, who we, we don't even know where he's playing, if he's playing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a 30 year old hybrid. Like, I mean, the, the hate has maybe gone a little too far with Trey Sermon, especially when you factor in the way this team uses their running backs. Five years uh, that that Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach here, he's had five different players lead that team in rushing. Uh, Carlos Hyde, Matt Breda, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and now Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Honestly, I would not even be shocked if that name next year is Trey Sermon. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason for there to be almost 12 rounds between the two of them in current ADP and you know 34 running back spots. Uh, Mitchell is the guy right now, but I just I just I will not I will never buy in that he's going to be the only running back there. It's just I just don't see it happening. You know, even when he was coming back before he was completely healthy, we saw Jeff Wilson getting mixed in, uh, Jamichael Hasty mixed in as a, as a passing down back. So. Uh, I agree with you, Ryan. It seems like it's these two moving forward, and maybe Mitchell is the lead back in that committee. That's fine. 
But Sermon is going to be productive, and he's going to be way more productive, I think, than running back 48 uh, in in our in our current uh, ADP 146 overall. That just that's that screams value to me right now. And if you can really get him for that cheap, I mean, uh, is that the players that are going around him, Jared Patterson, Gus Edwards, Khalil Herbert, these are players that you're hoping to buy for a third round pick. Uh, I don't know if, if if a third round pick, a single third round pick gets Trey Sermon, even if two third round picks get Trey Sermon, I think that that screams out as a buy. And we've talked about Patterson as a buy already uh, this offseason so you're looking at a, at a similar price range there in a startup situation about a month ago i talked about that san francisco draft uh from last year and they, they drafted a guard in the second round the, i can't remember his name now the guy out of indiana who's who's a big strapping mauling type run blocking guard and that fit with the with the trey sermon pick that they were going to be more downhill running, not so much of a zone blocking scheme, and we didn't see much of that rookie running, our rookie um, guard either. Actually, he was out of Notre Dame. I can't. I think his name's Banks, but I can't remember for sure. He's that that there's a there's a little bit of a story to be told there that we haven't seen quite yet, and I don't put it past that coaching staff, Cal Shanahan, to be a year ahead when it comes to that. We, we saw it a little bit in Green Bay with, with a couple of their selections a few years ago when they went with A.J. Dillon, more of a power running back. And us in the Dynasty community watched him sit on the bench for an entire season, get few touches, make, make one or two splash plays. He had the big game against Tennessee in the snow, remember. And, but we still didn't quite see the vision of that Green Bay offense with Dillon being a big part of it. Fast forward a year later and Dillon is, is in a timeshare He's the he's the thunder to uh, to Aaron Jones's lightning, and and I think there's a story to be told that maybe that's what happens in San Francisco moving forward. I, I don't think that we should paint a picture of of Trey Sermon being a bust just yet. And I, you know, I I know that there are a lot of dynasty managers that are really upset with themselves for investing that kind of draft pick in a running back, but there, there's still hope, and I think that's what we're all trying to convey here. It it feels to me he should be at least like in the like ten spots higher, you know, at least at least, at least as valuable as guys like Alexander Madison. But I guess the only difference there is we've seen Mad- Madison do it. You know, these kind of like high value uh, backup running backs that we like to stash. You know, he's in that category. He's not down there in the category of the running back threes who we need an injury. Uh, of a player in front of them for them to really be productive for us, you know. So I think there there's a significant dif- discount right now. You know, I chose I chose Claypool in our last segment as the player I was most worried about. The other player I considered was Elijah Mitchell, and and for a lot of different reasons. You look at his um, his ADP is up to running back fourteen, which to me just just feels a little too rich. He's wow. uh, ahead of Cam Akers, ahead of Derrick Henry. Um, I would actually still have Zeke ahead of Elijah Mitchell. I, I know a lot would, would disagree with that one. Both Packers running backs, Jones and Dillon's, Dylan are uh, behind Elijah Mitchell as well. Mitchell had over 58% of his fantasy production this year coming from his rushing yardage. That was the, the highest percentage among all running backs. And that's, that's a little bit of a red flag there. I want to see some more balance. Only caught 19 passes. So the same reason we've discounted Derrick Henry over the years, the same reason we've discounted uh, Nick Chubb over the years, Elijah Mitchell is that guy as well. He's not going to catch many passes, uh, so I, I don't know that he should get any higher than RB14 and, and maybe shouldn't even be that high. Uh, the injuries are the other thing. You know, that it was impressive that he kept coming back from, from injury and, and regaining that starting role and, and uh, you know, pushing Wilson and Hasty and everyone else back to the bench. That's impressive. That says a lot about what Shanahan thinks about him. But he also had three different injuries this year. Uh, as a rookie is is an obvious concern as well. A slight running back for sure, a guy that that isn't built quite like Trey Sermon or some of these other tailbacks, but he's quick as a hiccup and and showed just how explosive he can be so many times this season. And the final final thing I want to add to this conversation talking about these two 49ers running backs is that we've learned as dynasty managers over the last handful of seasons 
that the 49ers are going to roll through running backs in a season. Now, Mitchell was was their preferred guy for this entire season. Every time he did come back from injury, he immediately jumped into 18, 20, 22 touches in a game. They wanted him on the field, clearly. I don't think uh, there's, there's a chance that, or, or there isn't a chance, I should say, that that... They, they go back to some type of rotation, that they go back to resting these guys on weeks that they're a little banged up, and that they mix these guys in and out of not only games, individual games, but from week to week. Um, that's certainly something that can happen. It's something you have to think about if you're going to depend on a 49ers running back. Uh, I think we've, we've pretty much touched on everything there in San Francisco. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk trade. Yes, the best part about being a dynasty manager is that trading block. And, you know, we're going to use this segment from time to time, guys, to talk about some of the guys that that we're thinking about on the trade block. And and the thing that's been on my mind here recently, because Cam Akers made this miraculous comeback, is it's all about these running backs that had major injuries and really examining the prices of these running backs that missed extended time in 2021. There's three guys that I thought really fit the bill here. It's Christian McCaffrey, current ADP of eight, running back four. Then J.K. Dobbins, his ADP is 26, running back 13. And then another top 15 running backs, the aforementioned Akers at the ADP of 33. So all three of these guys, fellas, missed so many games. Matt, I want to start with you, Christian McCaffrey. Over the last two seasons, he's only played a handful of games. He's missed multiple stretches this season. Week three, strained hamstring. Missed weeks four through eight. Returned in week nine, only to roll that ankle and go right on IR. We didn't see him again. Last season, of course, played weeks one and two. Great finishes, RB2, RB5 in weeks one and two. Then missed seven weeks. Came back in week nine. Got hurt right away again. Another big game, RB2. So... He's played these nine games, ten games, excuse me, over the last two seasons. And in all but two of them, the two games where he got hurt early in the game, he finished as an RB14 or better for the week. Um, Elite when he's on the field. The two weeks that he gets hurt in quarter one, he he finishes uh, running back 43 and 56. We're not going to hold that against him. The one thing that I feel that I want to hold against him is his inability to get back on the field once he's banged up. I think that's fair to to put that on him at this point. He 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 just doesn't come back as quickly and when he does come back, we're all on pins and needles worried that he's he's going to go down immediately again and this huge investment that we have as dynasty managers is going to be sitting on the sidelines once again. Yeah, I, that's all fair. I mean, I can't really say anything against that, but I think he's he's the he's the wild card in our lineup. You know, we've had players throughout. I, I just had one in my head, and I, I yep. kind of, I've lost it now. But there are these. Oh, um, crap! Who was the tight end for Washington? Jordan Jordan Reed, right? Jordan Reed. Uh, we had these play. We have these players who are just hurt all of the time. But when they're in our lineups, we know they can be weak winning players. So. Um, one of the reasons why I've loved McCaffrey for so long is that I think even when his skills as a runner degrade, he's always going to have that 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 trump card, so to speak, in, in the receiving game. This is a player that has 100 reception upside out of the running back position. And even if he's part of a committee as he gets older, you know, he, he's still going to have that receiving upside as a, as a third down back. So he's somebody that I'm still investing in. And it, it, as, as somebody who has heavily invested, has a, has a whole bunch of Christian McCaffrey right now and, and being frustrated with him not being there at the end of the season and things like that for the last two years, it, it is incredibly uh, difficult to deal with, but he's still somebody that, like I said, is a week winning player. He, if he's in, if he's in your lineup and he's healthy, he's, you have a, I don't know what the odds are. Don't, don't ask me, you know, but it's a very good chance that you're going to win your week based on what he does uh, alone. He's that kind of player. So I think the price is still warranted in a one quarterback league. I think around that eight to 12 range is fair. If you want to just stick with a wide receiver at that point, I totally understand that. Um, But he, for me, he's the last of those running backs. I think that I would be willing to take in the first two rounds of of a regular one quarterback startup league, just because of that upside that he does present and the longevity that I do see for his career um 
you know, and, and we see players like this that are injured for multiple seasons. I'm thinking back to players like Keenan Allen, who, um, you know, had, had, had a couple of rough years and then came back as, as, and, and really became Ironman at their position. So I'm not saying that's going to happen with McCaffrey, but if it does, I think we're still getting a value even at the prices we're paying today, um, at least in trades, in my opinion. I looked at the trade finder to to identify a few trades, and I chased them down. I, w- I went into the league settings on on uh, my fantasy league. I wanted to find out what people are giving up for Christian McCaffrey. All trades since the end of the dynasty playoffs. So in the last handful of weeks, we've seen a couple straight up trades for other superstars. Straight up for George Kittle in a tight end premium, one point five. Uh, tight end premium league straight up for Austin Eckler. That's an interesting one for sure. Straight up for Devonte Adams and Derrick Henry. So there are that tells me that dynasty managers are sick of the of the injury history. That they're ready to move on to another superstar. Then there were some some draft pick trades that were interesting. The 102 next year plus a 2023 first. Uh, that seemed like the high end of what people were giving up as far as draft picks are concerned. And then another one, a late 2022 first on top of a 2023 first. That really felt like like the the, the absolute bargain basement low uh, price when it comes to trying to add Christian McCaffrey um, to your team. So as we always say, Ryan, that trade finder is not going to give you an exact um, value of a specific player, but it's going to give you an idea of what real dynasty managers are giving up for an elite running back like McCaffrey. Yeah, we, we're talking about these injured running backs today, and and I think, uh, you know, once once the player gets injured, that's really the ideal time to buy that player because the closer we're getting to the next season, and, and really now that we're into the off season, the dynasty off season, that's close enough. We're already seeing the value on J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers rise. We'll get into those guys more in just a moment. The, the difference with McCaffrey is we never really saw a major drop. Uh, I. I I'm not sure if he's fallen out of our our first round of ADP at all. I don't believe he has. He's remained a first rounder. Really, the discount with him is that he's available at all because uh, prior to these uh, these injuries that have been so frustrating, it was a non-starter. He wasn't being traded because he was far and away the the number one option in dynasty leagues. So, I, I mean, I, I get the I get the idea behind most of these trades. Uh, Adams and and Kittle are pretty interesting. I would rather have McCaffrey over Eckler or Derrick Henry at this point. Still pretty easily, even though I, I think I'm higher on those two players. I was surprised than, there weren't sweeteners in some of those uh, one-for-one deals, the ones that mm-hmm. you mentioned there. I think the reason that we didn't see more of a dip in his value, Ryan, might have been the timing of those injuries. Early in the season, week three, he got hurt, the strained hamstring, and the news immediately was, oh, three to five weeks, it's not serious, he'll be back. And we all had a lot of anticipation for that because those two elite weeks, RB1 in week one, RB3 in week two, had us clamoring for more of that kind of production. It took him till week week uh, nine, or yeah, I think it was week nine, to come back, RB14, RB4, RB3, and then in week 12, he goes down again immediately, and we he goes instantly onto IR. Lots of trade deadlines had passed. Um, lots of teams had moved on from this year as far as Dynasty goes. goes. And if, if you were willing to sell, sell, you waited till this month now, or maybe August even, because you're going to get more bang for your buck then. So he'll be an interesting guy to monitor this offseason to see what happens with his value, especially on the trade market. Let's jump into a conversation about J.K. Dobbins. A little bit different story here. Of course, everybody knows it was late in August. We we got into training camp and got that horrible news. Dobbins goes down with the torn ACL. Of course, that was about a month after the Akers news. So another young running back, Ryan, that goes down with a major injury. We were all super scared. Uh, top 24 running back in his final six games as a rookie, including two top 10 finishes. The expectations were very high. He was save, sharing that backfield with Gus Edwards late in his rookie season as well. Remember back to mid-season during his rookie year, we were all so um, 
concerned, I would say, with his usage. He wasn't seeing the field all that often, only had one game where he was featured at all and had more than a dozen carries in the game. And then all of a sudden, late in the season, he burst onto the scenes. Matt, you mentioned with CMC, uh, the, the receiving production, that doesn't come with J.K. Dobbins. He had six drops as a rookie. He wasn't featured in that that part of the game. In fact, no Baltimore running back really catches a lot of passes, at least in the last few seasons. So there's going to be ups and downs. Feels like he's going to be very touchdown dependent, Ryan. Uh, but hit, the arrow is certainly pointing up. There are dynasty managers paying paying premiums once again. He's he's up to RB thirteen again. Yeah, he's regained that value. I, I think um, a couple things play into that. First of all, we're we're treating ACLs obviously still a serious injury, but the uh, the assumption now is that the player's coming back at full strength. That that wasn't the case even just uh, three or four years ago. So that's that's part of it. But also think about the Baltimore running game this year, and you know they shuffled through all those veterans, and I, I think there was a narrative last off season that. It was a plug-and-play backfield. Anybody you put back there is going to have some success. And, you know, I guess depending on what you took away from Devontae Freeman's uh, season, that uh, especially his, his late-season production, you, you know, maybe that impacts things. But to me, I was not impressed with what Baltimore did uh, through the running game this year overall. I think that puts a, a positive light on, on J.K. Dobbins. It's it's good news for him that they can't just throw anybody off the streets in that backfield and, and get production from them, which, uh, like I said, is, is kind of what some people were thinking. So I, I get the uh, I get the premium cost on, on J.K. Dobbins. I understand it. Yeah, I understand it too. Um, I know you're going to go through these trades, Dan, but I think he's still – He's still in that same range where we valued him before. The last time we saw him, he was very good on the field. ACLs, while they are, a, you know, in a, a, a quote unquote serious injury, they're certainly less serious than we've seen before. And he went down so early before the season even started. So I think it's fair to assume that he's going to be back, uh, to, you know, ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of the player that he was uh, beforehand. And that's a player that we know is going to have a lead role in this backfield. Something he didn't necessarily have as a rookie through a lot of the season. Uh, so I think the excitement is still there for him. They're on a team that's going to run the ball a whole lot. They may not throw the ball to him a whole lot, but we've seen backs have success with that. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like we're valuing him as a, as a top five running back uh, at this moment. So to get a, a, a player that's going to have that much volume, uh, I, I think, is, is, is kind of a bargain at the uh, early in the early third round there, uh, especially if you've gone wide receiver heavy to start your draft and you end up with a, a top 10 potential top 10 fantasy running back uh, in your, the first year you draft him if you're doing a startup this year. There were some deals on the trade finder that made me think I want to invest in J.K. Dobbins, one being Miles Sanders in a 2022 Ooh. second. That feels like a like a pretty nice price to pay. Uh, other deals, a late first and Hollywood Brown. That's an interesting one. Uh, a couple Ravens involved there. Elijah Moore and David Njoku in a tight end premium league. That was an interest an interesting one. Uh, but Elijah Moore, up and coming wide receiver. Maybe you want to pivot to that position, I guess. Uh, some some real eye catching ones. I saw one for the one hundred and one in the 2022 draft. It was single quarterback. I chased and chased to, to make sure it was the 101, but it certainly looked like it. Uh, Ryan, are you taking the, are you taking the number one pick or JK Dobbins? I mean, as you said earlier, Dan, we'll get into this rookie class in the next couple weeks here, but as of right now, there's not a clear consensus, obvious 101 as there, as there has been in so many years. Um, and whoever that 101 is, it might be Brees Hall, it might be Traylon Burks, it might be, uh, could even could even be Isaiah Spiller. I don't think that player is going to be drafted ahead of J.K. Dobbins in dynasty startups. Um, I'm surprised that the 101 would be traded for Dobbins, but at the same time, I think I would still prefer Dobbins. That's the problem I had with it. I think if you were going to shop the 101 you might be able to aim a little bit higher right now as draft yeah uh, exactly. draft season exactly. approaches the last trade i wanted to mention another one straight up 
for Devontae Adams. So so selling on the older receiver, getting in on the younger running back. I like some of those prices, most of those prices, guys. Um, but as a whole, I'm I'm slightly concerned about Dobbins' overall dynasty value because of that lack of receiving upside that he doesn't provide, really. I, I think the Adams trade is really interesting because especially as, you know, presumably you have uh, your contending team with Adams uh, and it's a way to to pivot to a younger player, but to a, a position that is more scarce than the wide receivers. You're getting young, getting uh, probably younger at, at the running back position and getting out of a declining asset, you know, at least in terms of value, not necessarily in terms of production with Devontae Adams. So I think that's a really interesting one and maybe one to consider if you're an Adams Adams uh, team that is going to be competing in, in 2022. Yeah, we, we heard earlier you can get Christian McCaffrey for Adams potentially. So so maybe aim a little bit higher. That's a good point. I'll go ahead and take Adams. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll take McCaffrey instead of Dobbins if both options are on the table. Right. Uh, last guy quickly that we should cover, Cam Akers. And I didn't want to rush through this one because his comeback is amazing, guys. And I don't want to make light of it, but he, he ruptured his Achilles on July 19th, returned to the field in Week 18. And, and as we've seen in the playoffs these couple of weeks, it almost feels like he didn't get hurt, that, that he was just kidding. Because he looks like that same player with that explosiveness. And this just hasn't happened before. We, we've seen some trades, and I'll run through these right away. Straight up for Saquon Barkley, yes, give me Akers in a, in a second. Miles Sanders and a 2022 early first, that one's fun. I think I want Akers. I'll take Akers in that one. Eli Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, Rondale Moore, and a 2022 third. Give me Akers once again, even though Mitchell's uh, value has spiked so much. Straight up for DK Metcalf. A package of picks, mid-first, mid-second, mid-third, mid-fourth, and Gus Edwards for Cam Akers. Come on, give me Akers. I I couldn't find a trade where I really didn't want Akers in a landslide outside of DK Metcalf straight up, Brian. Or Matt. I I disagree a little bit. I think I want the – Go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) Go Go ahead. Go for it, Matt. No, I just I, I disagree. I think I think I want the the package really? on on almost all of those. Really, Acres hasn't been as as yeah. impressive to you. Maybe May, not. It doesn't pass the eye test, or you're concerned. You have other concerns. No, not necessarily. It's just it's it's DK Metcalf and Elijah Missile is a is a is a up and coming receiver, and I love DJ Moore. The Miles Sanders one, I think you know, is is definitely on the on the Acres side and the Gus. And the Gus one certainly is too, um, but those 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 players that are kind of known assets, like I think I'd rather have them. I you know we haven't seen a full season of this. We saw Acres fumble four times coming back. You hope that's that's rust, uh, and hopefully has a nice Super Bowl, and, and then maybe we're having a different conversation. But right now that feels like like being two just two spots below Dobbins feels feels a little rich for me personally. Well, I, I did make the point with Dobbins that I, I think the Ravens' lack of success in the running game this season was a plus for him. The Rams yeah. did not have that, right? Daryl Henderson was yeah, an exactly. RB1 for, for a long stretch of the season. Sony Michelle was almost a league winner late in the season. Uh, so both of those players had success when they honestly hadn't in, in past years. Um does that hurt Acres' value moving forward, do you think? I don't think so. But I think that actually helps his value because that, that offense is proven as an offense that can pump out league-winning fantasy running backs and big-time performances, right? I, I can see it both ways. I, I mean, it, you certainly feel good about the situation. I mean, we don't, we don't need to do in-depth analysis to, to figure that out, that that Rams offense is a, a good one to be a part of. But um, the, sa- the same idea that I've mentioned with the Raiders, the opposite of that idea, the, the man off the streets. I mean, they, they got Sony Michelle for nothing, and he was an RB1 uh, for a month or, or six weeks of the season. I just don't think it's a big enough discount for a player that we we're, we're going into the unknown with. You know, we've seen it like like you said, we've seen him come back. It's incredibly impressive, but we don't know what a, 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 an a, a excuse me an Achilles player is going to be the season after. So maybe maybe I'm just a little bit more risk averse in that from that scenario. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think the discount should be a little bit heavier than it is. And I think I might, I might even want Barkley over. Man, I'm really upset that I didn't buy him for a second round pick <laughs> in every single league when he was getting traded for next to nothing for peanuts. I got a first. Uh, I got a first. Yeah, and we, like we were right all very happy that you did. Right? We were all we were all saying, "Wow, you're one of I the was only happy ones," too. because yeah. he was going for seconds or packages of late picks or or a player that could help out this season at the time of the injury because it's so serious and it's really going to change the way we see uh, these these Achilles injuries, even at a running back position. Uh, it's just just something we haven't seen. The last thing I want to say about Acres. He's an X factor as a receiver. He can be a weapon in that part of the game, and we haven't seen that quite yet. I think he, I think I kind of think he's the he's that X factor in the Super Bowl. If they unlocked him as a pass catcher in the screen game and even vertically, that could be the thing that puts him over the top. Guys, episode five hundred one is in the books. Um, everybody should follow Ryan at Ryan MC 23. Follow Matt at Matt price. FF, you, FF, excuse me. You can follow me at D 22 and then follow the podcast at DLF podcast. We're going to pull a question every single week, starting next week. Uh, the listener question of the week from that, uh, make sure you're following at DLF podcast so you can get on it in on that. Maybe you can have your question answered on a future podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You didn't warn me on that outro, I almost hit the button.